Hello, everyone. You are listening to Kingdom Stories, where we tell stories of hope and power from the lives of everyday Christians just like you and me. It's my hope that these stories encourage you in your walk with the Lord and remind you weekly about how awesome our God is. Hey, everybody. I'm here with my old mentor, Ross Rode. Ross, you want to say hi? Hey, how's it going, Jesse and folks? All right, Ross, you want to give us a little bit of a background about like where you come from, who you are, what you do, et cetera? Yeah, I um, grew up in the Northwestern United States, uh, went to Bible college and then uh, missions school, ended up in uh, Mexico and then Guatemala and Spain and spent about 16 years on the field in a, in a missionary career that was about, about 25 years long. That ended in 2006 when we came home from Spain. And we've, I've continued doing the things I learned in, in uh, my ministry on the field, particularly in Spain. And I've continued to do them first in um, the Bay Area of uh, California and now in the western suburbs of Chicago. So you want to give us a little bit of a brief description of what that is, what, like how, what, what your model is? The model that I've uh, been growing in and learning from is Jesus's model in uh, Luke chapter 10. It's also briefly mentioned in Matthew 10, Mark 6, and Luke 9. And that is to <clears throat> find what Jesus calls the man of peace, or we can call that the person of peace because it's more often a woman than a man. And that person is a connector who has, um, the Greek word is oikos, it means household. It's referring to the people, not the building. Uh, often translated house in, in, um, in the Bible, in English, bad translation. It's household. It's talking about people, not a building. And uh, what, what, what I've been learning is you pray, you abide in Christ, and God bumps you into people of peace. When you realize you're in an encounter with a person of peace, you start talking about God, Jesus, and suggest in some way that <clears throat> you can, you'd like to introduce that person and their friends to Christ and, or let them encounter Christ. And uh, if they're a person of peace, they'll want to do that. And then uh, the way I think of it is uh, we bring Jesus to their household. Hmm. And uh, sometimes that happens very quickly. They come to Christ, they start, be they become disciples. And sometimes it takes a while. Every story is different. The pattern, it seems to be there, but uh, every time it's, it looks different. Okay, so you, do you have some some stories of when you've seen God use this in your life? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I was thinking you and I were just discussing a little earlier a story that happened when I was living in Madrid, and uh, I'll give a little background that I didn't give you earlier, but um, I had a friend named Gabriel, and he wanted to learn how to do what we were just describing, and what I knew at the time I shared with him, he wanted to put that into practice. He started to put that into practice. He invited his girlfriend at the time, they, they were married later, um, 
to, to do it with him. And so they went out looking for people of peace and actually starting by praying and so that God would bump them into them. There, there's just a whole series of powerfully supernatural stories of how they found people of peace and how churches were planted. But February 5th, 2005, 2006, February 5th, 2006, I went to their house and I met Cece for the first time. And when I went to their apartment in um, Southern Madrid, there was just a bunch of people in, in the apartment that I didn't know. And, and I said, hey, what's going on? And Cece said, well, these are the people who have been coming to Christ this last week or so. I said, really? You know, she, she uh, said, yeah, we've been planning churches. And she starts talking about this process of finding the person of peace and and uh, taking Jesus to their oikos and miracles that are associated with that. And so I asked her a question. I said, Cece, how many, how many churches have you guys planted in the last few weeks? And uh, she says, just a second. She ran and got this notebook. And she opened up the notebook, and there was a page with a list of names and another page with a list of names and another page with a list of names. And she's, she starts leaping through this. And she says, we've got seven. I said, you planted seven churches or proto-churches in, in these um, spheres of influence in these, these um, households in the last few weeks? She says, oh, yeah. So I got pretty excited. <laughs> and so I come back the next Sunday. She says, come back the next Sunday, and we'll, we'll start training some of these people. And so I said, okay. So I come back the next Sunday, and I sit down with Cece, a bunch of new people. Don't know all those people. Hadn't met most of those people. And I said, what's going on? He says, well, uh, we've been planning churches this week. I said, wow. He says, uh, you got new churches? Oh, yeah. How many? Well, three. So I said, you got 10 churches? Said, oh, yeah. Wow. And so, you know, she gets out her little notebook, and she shows me the next three lists of names and, you know, pointing out people, et cetera. So I'm pretty excited. And so... The next week I come back, and in, in, in Madrid, I'm down on the ground floor. They're up on the fourth floor. You press a little button, a little intercom, and, and let them know you're there, and then they've got to beam you into the building and uh, give you the code for the elevator and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, so I ring the doorbell, and Gabrielle gets on the, on the speaker, and she says, hey, Ross, come on up. Okay, that's on. So I get on the elevator and I go up and I walk down the hall and I knock on his door and he opens up the door just to Christ and he, shh, 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 okay, you know. So I step through the door and you, in his apartment, you step through the door and you're, all, you're almost walking into a wall and if you look left, it's the kitchen. If you look right, it's the living room. I look right and Cece's in there. <laughs> She's got all these people standing in a line looking at her, and she's sharing the gospel, you know? Wow. And then she goes down on the far end, and she shares the gospel with this person while everyone else is listening, and the person asks Jesus into their life, and she goes to the next one, and boom, 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 boom. She's leading people to Christ. Like, you know, it's like, wow, look at that, you know? So it's all very impressive. <laughs> and uh, so then... She said, okay, Ross, I've cooked a dinner for these people. 
and I want you to sit down and start sharing with them the basics of the faith so they understand what's just happened to them. And I'll get the chicken and the spaghetti ready. I said, okay. So, I'm, you know, this is kind of fun. And I'm sharing and they're excited about their new faith. And we're having this great dialogue. And it's, it's delightful. And I, I remember there were like seven or eight people at least. And I don't remember the exact number. And then people start coming into the apartment. And they're some of those people I've met the last couple of weeks, some new people, you know, more and more people. And pretty soon Gabrielle's over in the corner with about 15, 20 people leading the song. And there's people in the back room. And, and there's all these conversations going on. In the meantime, we're sitting at the table. And Cece brings out some chicken, a big bowl of spaghetti, a big bowl of salad. This is Spain, so there was bread, and there, were, there was wine, okay? So it's my job to be telling them about Jesus, and I'm, you know, handing out bread, and we're dishing up spaghetti and, and, and pouring wine and talking about Jesus, and they're having seconds and thirds, and I'm giving them chicken, and I'm giving them spaghetti, and, and we're talking, and we're talking, and we're talking, and there was... If I remember right, there were two chickens, big bowl of spaghetti, big bowl of salad, and some bread, and the wine. And pretty soon, some of these guys, some kind of big workman type guys, and, and um, they had like two or three plates full of this stuff. Wow. You know? And about that time, Cece comes and gathers them all up and scoots them away and says, Ross, I've got some more for you. So, so she sets down, you know, eight or nine or 10 more people, and we're going through the basics of the faith and this is who Jesus is. And this is how to know you have salvation and, and, you know, just basic, basic stuff, chicken, spaghetti, salad, bread, wine. And, uh, you know, I'm just passing out chicken and people are having two or three plates and Cece comes over and says, okay, I got some more guys for you. You guys go over and, and Gabrielle's going to teach you a song and, you know, some more guys are going through the basics of the faith and we're having this great dialogue and it's all delightful. And then I realize, hey, there's only two chickens here. There's only one big bowl of spaghetti. It was good size, but I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was just a big salad bowl of spaghetti couple, what we would call, I think, three batas of pan, which is uh, three, three bars of, of French bread or Spanish bread and some wine and some salad. And these guys are having second and third plates. And I look over at the chicken and there's still plenty of chicken left. And I look over at the spaghetti and there's like a half a bowl of spaghetti there. Wow. And there's bread and there's salad. There's wine. And I realized I must have passed out 30 or 40 pieces of chicken. From two chickens. From two chickens. <laughs> and I probably passed out 25 pounds of spaghetti, if not more. And there must have been at least six, eight, ten French loaves or, or, or bodice of pan, as we would call them, bread bars. Mm -hmm. And wine. And there was plenty left. Wow. And I realized I was in the presence of the king. Oh, my. What I remember about that is he kept me distracted. 
I was talking about him. We were dialoguing. If I had realized what was going on, I would have been watching that spaghetti. What does this look like? Does it look like worms, you know, moving uh, in out of each other? Does the chicken keep growing legs? I mean, how does this work? But I was so intent on talking about him. He was just busy doing the miracle. Mm. And it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. One of the things I remember about that time is that there was so much supernatural, supernaturalism going on, and it was so effortless. We weren't trying to make things happen. Hmm. They happened. We did what Jesus asked us to do. We worked on our relationship with the Lord. We asked him to help us find people of peace. He almost always gave them to Cece. And I could tell you stories. There's great stories there. And um, supernatural things would happen. And because of those supernatural things, people would come to Christ. And then communities of faith would start. Wow. So let's fast forward about, I don't know, a couple months. Mm. And we've got like 30 churches going. And um, well, Gabriel and Cece have 30 churches going. <laughs> um, and uh, they've asked me to come in and train some of the more mature believers. It's all relative. You know, mm-hmm. these are people who've been Christians a, a few months, but are excited about Jesus and, and obviously growing. And so every Saturday night, if I remember correctly, Saturday nights I'd come to Gabriel and Cece's house and, and I would meet with, 15, 20, 18 people. And we would dialogue about the basics of the faith and whatever I tell you, you can go tell somebody else and go tell you people in your group, go tell them about this stuff, dialogue about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And there was one woman, I'm trying to remember her name. For some reason, I just can't remember, but... You're just making her name up. Oh, yeah. At any rate, she was a a Brazilian woman uh, and she was one of those people who was way out ahead of everybody else. She was growing very rapidly. Mm-hmm. And uh, one Saturday night, she said, you know, she starts telling me this story about this young lady. And uh, the, the story basically is this. She has a close friend in, in her village in Brazil. She moved to Spain. And while in Spain, she met another young lady. And this young lady from Brazil, that this young lady that she met, her name, I remember her name. Her name is Hisele. It means gazelle. And Hisele, um, this, this woman asked her, where are you from? She said, the state she was from. She says, oh, I'm from that state. She says, what town are you from? She says, well, I'm from this town. She says, wow, you know, I'm from that town. She mm-hmm. says, what neighborhood are you from? Well, I'm from this neighborhood. She says, well, what street did you live on? He says, she tells her the street. And she says, my best friend lives on that street. Wow. Really? What's her name? Ah, that's my mom. <laughs> you know, 7,000 miles between the two. Mm-hmm. And so um, my friend, I, I keep wanting to call her Helena, and I know that's not her name. But at any rate, uh, Helena, let's call her Helena. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helena wanted to... Um, share the gospel with her. So she tried to share the gospel with her, but she, no, she wasn't interested. She was pregnant. She was waiting for her boyfriend who was going to leave his wife and come and meet her in Spain. And he, he was a rich guy and he sent her off to be in Spain. And 
he would come and they would run off together to Spain and she's waiting for her lover to come and she's not interested in spiritual things. She's interested in her lover. And uh, he doesn't come and he doesn't come and he doesn't come and she's starting to realize she's, she's been had and now she, he's supposed to be sending her money and he doesn't send her money and now she's on the street and she's pregnant and what's she going to do? And then Helena loses track of her. Hmm. About that time, Helena moves from um, someplace in Madrid, I don't remember where, and she moves to a town that's about 15 miles out to the uh, east, a place called Alcalá de Henares. And uh, she moves in with an, another old friend, a non-Christian woman who she knows and I think grew up with in her town, old friends. And they get an apartment together. And one day, Helena's walking down the street and there's Hisele sitting on a wall, if I remember the story correctly. And if I remember the story correctly, she's crying. Hmm. And so Helena walks up and she says, hey, Hisele, good to see you. And, and you know, what's going on? And I'm, I, I moved here, I'm lost, I'm, 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 I have no place to live, I'm gonna have this baby, I'm, I'm desperate. So Elena says, uh, like a good Christian, <laughs> I got an apartment, I'm with my friend, like, come, come stay with us and we'll take care of you. So they do and there's complications in the pregnancy. And the next thing you know, Hisele is in the hospital. She's having complications with the pre pregnancy and they're talking about aborting her to protect her life. Wow. So it's one of these Saturday nights and Helena's telling this story and then her phone rings. She gets up, she goes into the, that, that kitchen I was telling you about that's off to the right when you walk in the, or the, off to the, the left when you walk in the house. And, um, She's in there, we hear talking, and you know, I'm continuing on with my discipleship with the the the, the guys, and and we're having a good time. And she comes back in and says, Ross, phone's for you. Said, what? Yeah, the phone's for you. And I says, Well, what do you mean the phone's for you? I don't rang at your phone number, it's not my phone. <laughs> you know? She says, No, no, it's he's selling, and she wants to talk to you. Hmm. So I don't know who's selling. She says, She wants to talk to you. So I get on the phone, and now Hiseli is, is speaks Spanish, but she's she's a, a Portuguese speaker, and I speak Spanish, but she, but I'm an English speaker. And we, I, I start talking to says, Hiseli, what's going on? And she, so she shares, you know, I'm in the hospital, mm -hmm. my pregnancy is in jeopardy, I want my baby, I'm terrified, they want to abort my baby, I don't want to lose my baby, and she, you know, she starts crying and. And what am I going to do? Will you please, please pray for me? Pray, pray for my baby. Hmm. So, yeah, okay, I'll pray. So I start praying for her, and all of a sudden my Spanish gets kind of fluent, um, more fluent than normal. And I'm having this kind of fluid prayer, knowing what to pray for kind of winding up the prayer for the, 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 the safety of the baby and the safety of the mom and that he silly would, would be protected. And Jesus spoke to me. Hmm. He said, tell her how much I love her. Wow. So I started to tell her, hey, he silly. Jesus loves you like this. 
And I, all of a sudden, my Spanish got really fluid. And Jesus loves you like this. And when he thinks of you, it's like this. And his heart is all for you. And he wants this for you. And he wants that for you. And he loved you so much, he went to the cross for you. He loved you so much, he sacrificed himself for you. He loved you more than he loved life itself. And, and, and the Spanish is just flowing. You know, I can speak Spanish, but it was, it was flowing. Mm -hmm. And um, she came to Christ right there on the phone. Wow. And um, so and then she wanted to talk to Helena again. And so I went back in the other room and says, hey, Helena, it's for you. <laughs> so, you know, we wrapped up our discipleship time and come back the next Saturday and Helena's there. I said, hey, Helena, how's he selling? She says, she's fine. Baby's fine. I said, what? What does that mean? I left her. Baby was in jeopardy. So does that mean her pregnancy is now okay and she's going to be fine? And so the baby in utero is fine? Or does that mean that she's had a baby? And I said, what do you mean by that? She's fine and the baby's fine. And she said, you're the one who prayed. Said yes, I did. What is going on? <laughs> you know, and um, she said she's fine. She's had the baby. The baby is fine. Right after you got off the phone, the doctors came in and checked on her. And I, I don't know. They checked her vital signs. I don't. I wasn't there. But but they checked her vital signs. All of a sudden, she was healthy where she had been unhealthy, and they realized that they could bring the baby. To birth, they took her into, into the delivery room and delivered the baby. Wow. And she's fine and the baby's fine. Now, I, I did tell you that story, but there's one last story that goes with this. And again, Helena and Hisele and the baby. So a few weeks later, a couple weeks later, Hisele goes home to the apartment where there is this woman who's a non-Christian and then Helena and Hisele living in this apartment and now a little baby. And they wanted me to come and see the baby. And so I go over to Alcala de Henares and, and uh, you know, I, I remember walking up the steps and I went and, and knocked on the door and this woman who I didn't know answered the door and it was uh, the, the friend of Helena's. And she said, oh, you must be the man of God. Hmm. I'm thinking, yeah. And I think she said something like, you're the one that God sent. And I'm thinking, in a apostolic person is a sent one mm -hmm. so said yes that's true well god has sent you to us come on into my home i've prepared a meal for you one of the things when when, when jesus is teaching the disciples how to do this type of ministry he said uh, heal the sick raise the dead cast out demons proclaim the gospel of the king kingdom and he also says eat what is set before you and uh so I thought, okay i will eat what's set before me um, so I come in, I meet the baby, I talk to Isele, we go over the gospel again, we go, you know, yes, this is who Jesus is, this is who, you have a new relationship with Jesus. This other woman's listening to this, I'm not sure if she's interested or not, she's mostly in the kitchen fixing this, this meal for the, the, the man of God, and so we sit down to a meal. And I, I, if I remember correctly, I kind of felt this sense of, you know, you need to, you need to share Luke 10:6 with this woman. Hmm. And so I said, you know, after, 
after this meal, can we sit down? I want to show you a Bible verse that I think relates to you. And um, she said, okay. So I started sharing with her Luke, Luke, Luke 10, 5, the, the house of peace. That's the, the household. 6, the person of peace. And I said, and, and then there's this, this person that comes to them, and I, I kind of lay out the story for them. And I said, so who am I? says, well, you're the man of God. You're the, you're, you're, you're the sent one. And I said, that's right. Who are you? Hmm. So she looks through the scripture and she says, I'm the person that, I'm the person of peace. Wow. Because she invited you in and she said uh, she's laid the meal. She welcomed me. She did, she, she didn't. She didn't return my, I blessed her and she received my blessing instead of returning the blessing, which is part of Luke 10. Mm -hmm. And um, said, so, want to know Jesus? Wow. And a church got started. Right there in that little house. Yeah. Wow. And that was the last church of our group. And then some things happened that, that we don't necessarily need to go into unless you really want to. But some things happened that um, the devil got his finger in there and he, he unwound a lot of that. Not all of it, but he unwound a lot of that mm -hmm. because uh, people got focused on the wrong thing. And, uh, but many people came to Christ. Many um, communities of faith got started. And it was all done by... Abiding in Christ, walking in the Spirit, asking God to do it, listening, and obeying. And that's the way I prefer to do ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, nowadays, we, we think if, we, if I get this really cool technique, and some, you know, so-and-so has used this technique. So if I learn this technique, and I go to a workshop, and I learn this technique, and I go out and I do this technique, it's all going to work. Mm -hmm. What we're really saying is that the power is in the technique. And then that technique doesn't work, so then we go find the next technique. And the next system, and the next workshop, and the next notebook. And that doesn't work, and we don't know why, because it worked for the other guy, but it won't work for me. Mm -hmm. And the reason it won't work for you is because God never asked you to do that. Nor did he ever tell you that the power was in the technique. The power's in Jesus, and it never leaves the power being in Jesus. Amen. And so we need to learn to spend our time being intimate with Christ. That's called abiding. Another way of looking at that, another metaphor for that, is being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. New Testament. Mm -hmm. We need to learn to listen. Because God speaks to us. The new covenant says he, he puts the law in our hearts and our minds. That means he can speak to our hearts and our minds. We need to listen. And Jesus made a huge thing. If you're my friend, you obey me. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't obey if he's not talking to you. He talks to you. You hear what he says. And you say, yes, sir. But Jesus, that's hard. Yes, it is. Go do it. But Jesus, I'll make a fool out of myself. Oh, yes, you will. Go do it. <laughs> Because I'll be glorified. Mm. And that's the important part. And that, I have, 
I wish I did ministry like this all the time. I, in my own flesh, I fall back to my cleverness and all that proto, or, you know, imagined cleverness. And, and, but more and more, I'm learning to just abide, listen, and obey. Mm-hmm. And when I abide and I listen and I obey, there's fruit. John 15 said, John 15, 5, I'm the vine, Jesus speaking. I'm the vine. You guys are the branches. He who abides in me Mm -hmm. and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that kind of summarizes what this kind of ministry is like. You abide, he bears fruit through you. Can't do anything without him because Mm -hmm. you don't even know what to do without him. And when he tells you to go do something like walk down the street, Helena, Hmm. His Sally's sitting around the corner. She's sitting on a wall. You don't know it, but she's there. Mm-hmm. And this is a divine moment. And you won't know it till you go around the corner. Wow. What are how many divine moments we miss every day because we're not trying to walk and abide? Well, you're bringing up a good point. Because we think we can go out and make a divine moment, but you can't make a divine moment. All you can do is abide and obey. Jesus brings the divine moment. So where is our focus? Our focus is on the author and finisher of our faith. Mm -hmm. We focus on Jesus. We focus on proactively being as deeply connected to him as we possibly can all the time with our ears perked to see if he says for us to do something. And by the way, half the time we don't even know he said something. We just go do something and realize later God was behind this whole thing all along. I thought I wanted to go get a hamburger. He had something else in mind. Mm. So again, sometimes you know he's talking to you. I mean, I gave a couple of examples. Sometimes you're in the middle of the chicken multiplying before you realize what's going on. I thought I was just serving people chicken and talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. He was doing something bigger. And so, you know, you want to know Christ? Abide. If you think he's telling you to go do something, just go do it. But it's embarrassing. Yeah, go do it. And maybe, maybe you'll make a fool out of yourself. Okay. Maybe that wasn't Jesus. Okay. Learn your lesson. Keep going. Mm-hmm. But if you do that, you're going to encounter Jesus, and you're going, to, you're going to have him flow out of your life like rivers of living water. And thus, he spoke of the Spirit. And it's that spontaneous bubbling up and overflowing of the Spirit that irrigates other people's lives. That's what ministry is. And that's when that happens, it is so fulfilling. It is so rich because you're in the presence of the King. And who doesn't want to be in the presence of the king? Anybody who knows the king wants to be with him. Amen. That's awesome. So where, where does this leave you now? I know you, you talked about you're getting into some of this as well. What do you say in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Well, the western suburbs of Chicago, we're 40 miles west. Uh, mm-hmm. I live in a town of Batavia, and I'm working I'm working with a church uh, that my daughter and, and son-in-law attend, and they have a food pantry. And I'm really, I, I, I really like this church. And one of the things I like about this church is they are 
the church is in a place called Geneva, Illinois, and it's a um, it's an affluent suburb. Mm-hmm. And this is a church of about four thousand people, I think. And I would say eighty five percent of them, ninety percent of them are in the upper percentiles of economic wealth. Mm-hmm. They express that through generosity. They express Christ through generosity. So they've started a food pantry called the Shepherd's Heart. They serve thousands of people a month. And they've just got this vibrant ministry that the director's one of my friends now, and, and all she's got to do is sing, we are running low on laundry detergent. And those cars just start showing up from the church. Wow. We need milk. Cars just start showing up from the church. Mm-hmm. And they serve thousands of people. Now they also work through, you know, Aldi, which is a, a grocery chain, and Jewel Osco, which is a grocery chain, and Fresh Time, which is in them, Trader Joe's. And, you know, they've got relationships with these places and they, they send their, their food that's getting pretty close to pull dated. And, but they serve a lot of people. Well, my friend, uh, a good friend, we were actually missionaries and did ministry together in Spain, a guy named Lonnie Reynolds. He's my daughter's father-in-law. Mm. Uh, Lonnie and Connie. Connie started working in the food pantry first. And we all speak Spanish. And um, Connie made the observation. She says, I'm spending my time putting groceries in grocery bags, but there's all those people out there that I'd love to talk to and I can talk to when most of these people can't. Mm-hmm. And I want to share the gospel, but I'm so busy filling grocery sacks that I can't talk to them about Jesus. Hmm. So she told that to Lonnie. Lonnie and I started talking about it and thought, you know, it would be fun to just go there at the time. Now we're doing it differently because of COVID. But at the time, they would come in at certain times, certain hours, and they had a kind of a small grocery store set up. And they would take them through with a cart one at a time and then say, okay, you can get uh, three cans of tomato products and you get two bags of or two boxes of, of cereal, and you can get, you know, this and that, and this and that. And they go out with like three or four bags of groceries. So Lonnie and I thought, yeah, and in the meantime, there's like 20, 15, 20 people sitting waiting to be next in line. Hmm. So we talked to the, the director, who's a really a, a sweet woman, and, and, and she, she, you know, we told her what we wanted to do, and she said, well, yeah, go do it. So we get coffee and donuts and We'd say, hey, can I get you a cup of coffee? How do you want your coffee? And all this, most of this is in Spanish. There's English speakers there as well. You know, there's a, all sorts of different kinds of people there, but there's a lot of Hispanics there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I like mine. I like mine black. And then we, instead of just handing them a cup of coffee, we'd hand them a cup of coffee and sit down and say, well, you know, tell me about yourself. What's your life story? How did you get here? Um, you know? got guys who were extras in the godfather movie what you know got guys who were who were extras in cowboy movies back in the day uh stories of crossing the border stories of you know god's you know you start talking about god and so so we're starting to build these relationships that goes on for a few months and then, and then we realize you know what these people really need is is they've got four or five bags of groceries they don't have enough arms 
Hmm. So we just swoop in and say, well, let, let me help you take that to your car. So we would walk out there with them. And then we'd say, hey, now that we're out here by the car, anything you, you want us to pray about? Is there any, any spiritual need? Anything we can pray about? Now, no, no pressure, but if, if we can pray for you, we'd like to do that. And pretty soon, well, no, 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 no. And then, well, yeah, yeah. And then they'd tell us a few things. And pretty soon, a few weeks later, a number of weeks later, they're waiting with their prayer requests. Hmm. So we, we get out to the car and they said, you, you know, this is what we need you to pray for. So we start praying for them. And um, pretty soon, that's just a regular part of what we do. And that becomes the main part of what we do. And people are waiting for us to pray for them. Wow. And uh, then we start getting into a few gospel conversations uh, because of the prayer time. And we kept telling them, you know, if you God answers this prayer, come back and tell me about it. Because, I'm, you know, I, God answers prayer. Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit. Now what are we going to do? So we had to completely change our system. Instead of them picking their groceries, they would line up in cars. And sometimes we'd have 30 cars without stopping. They'd pull up in front of the church. We'd drop a bunch of groceries in their back uh, and, um, and send them off. Mm -hmm. And um, so Lonnie and I, as much as possible, would, would go to the, not only loaded the groceries, but we would go to the door and say, hey, you know, you know, you know we pray. And they would either give us a prayer request or, or, and of course, most of this is in Spanish. With the Hispanics, it's in Spanish. And, mm -hmm. and then they'd say, does this church, this church is so good to us. This church is so kind. They love us. It's so obvious they love us. Is, 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 do they have a Spanish service? Well, no. But Lonnie and I would like to start some stuff in people's houses. Hmm. If you'd like. And to use the language we've been using, are you a person of peace? <laughs> you got an oikos? You got, you got a household there that needs some Jesus? Now, they don't know I'm saying that, but that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. So now we have four groups started. Uh, a woman named Luce in the, is the, our first person of peace. That means light. Her last name is Luna, light of the moon. That's kind of a cool name. Mm. The second one is a, a group of four sisters who have formed a, a group and um, and their their family's kind of picking it up on the edge but it's the force the group is focused on the four sisters and then the third one is a woman named christina uh who is uh she's only about two or three years old in the lord but she's uh very very mature and has a lot of uh rather supernatural gifts so she's kind of cool and i've been personally discipling her and she's been talking to her family so it's loose and then the fourth guy is a guy named Alvaro. And Alvaro was an early adopter of the COVID virus. You mean he got it early? years old. And we're talking to him, you know, on the phone. And he's saying, I do not feel well. Hmm. I'm not feeling good. And I'm getting worse. You know, we're having these conversations by phone and finally he goes to the hospital and he's been probably a month in the hospital. 
and we were afraid we were going to lose him. He finally got out of the hospital, but he went in a vibrant 70-year-old and came out, and he's in the wheelchair. Wow. So um, we so we've really got three and a half groups because Alvaro was really one of the first ones and really enthusiastic, but he's not well enough to be doing this. Our long-term plans when we can gather, we really could now. Uh, Lonnie's in North Carolina right now, and, and when he gets back, um, we're going to bring all of these people together. They don't know each other necessarily. Hmm. We're going to meet in a park. We'll wear our masks. We'll have a meal together. And uh, it's time to start talking about baptism because three of the four sisters have come to Christ. Last week, the, 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 the youngest sister, um, Fabi, preached the gospel pretty clearly to her. Her sisters are discussing what they've, they've just come to Christ recently. They're discussing all of this as sisters. Mm-hmm. Moose has come to Christ. And then uh, Christina wants needs some fellowship and so we want to bring all of these people together and our our long-term goal is this i do not want to go to all of those little proto churches house churches the reason i don't is i've learned that if i show up i become everybody's um chaplain Hmm. and pretty soon i become the bible answer man and the truth is i pretty much know the answers to those questions. If I don't, I think I do. And pretty soon all I'm doing is being a Bible answer man, and they're, they're getting their spiritual vitality through me, and they're not maturing. I'm actually, with all good intention, prohibiting their growth and stagnating their growth. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is we want to form one bigger group of the people of peace. They come once a week. They have a meal together. We share some stuff with them. We answer questions. We have them answer each other's questions. They tell stories. We ask Jesus to guide the conversation. Then whatever they get there that week, they take back to their house. They take back to their household and let them do the disciple. And that way I don't get stuck being somebody's chaplain and retarding their growth. Now, we have four questions. When we, when we introduce them to a Bible passage, whatever Bible passage it is, we say, we've got four questions we want you to ask at this Bible passage. What did you like? Number one. Mm-hmm. What did this passage tell you about God or Jesus? Three. What do you think Jesus wants you to do about that? Mm-hmm. Number four. Who are you going to tell? And what we're finding is that they're going out and telling people. They, don't, they haven't learned the Christianity where you go to a church service, but you don't do much. Hmm. And, and, and evangelism is something that only special, the special few do, and it's very frightening and, and terrifying. And they, we're not giving them that brand of Christianity. We're just saying, well, who are you going to talk to about this? Mm-hmm. And Luce is talking to her ex-husband's dad. Wow. I wouldn't pick that, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Where did that come from? Well, it came from Jesus. I, I would have not even know, knew she had that connection. But I, all I do is ask a question. Well, well, Luce, you know, we've talked about some interesting stuff here over the phone by FaceTime. Who are you going to talk to about this? Well, I've been talking to my husband, my ex-husband. I've been talking to my adult kids, but it's, it's his dad that's interested. Hmm. Well, okay. Wow. Let Jesus do it. 
Let Jesus figure out the paths. Let Jesus figure out the connections. I do not need to make this thing work and I don't need to make things happen. I just need to abide mm-hmm. and listen and obey. And then I'm on good ground and I'll watch God do stuff. Wow. That's a really good summary, I think, of what your, your pattern has been. You know, I think there's a lot we can, we can learn from that and take away from that. Yeah. All right, sir. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate good, you. Good seeing you again, Jesse. If you like the story today, please don't hesitate to spread the love. Share it, like it, and subscribe to hear more. If you want to share a story from your life about an encounter with God, please don't hesitate to email me at jesse at newawakeningministries.org. Stay safe and remember, the kingdom is among us.